From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Strap on your mash ton. That is a thing that is in the opening. Yep. All right, Brian. I've probably done that one before. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't know if you have. I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. I also want to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, Hoppenbrail Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, and Phil Feldman. If you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash studios uh, and become a patron today. Or uh, go to blindestudios.com and click on the patron link at the bottom of the homepage. And while you're over there, go ahead and check out our store um, at teespring.com slash store slash blindestudios. Or click on the store link at blindestudios.com and check out our cool nifty merch. All right. Um, I also would like to apologize for being off. Uh, we're going to have kind of a mildly erratic uh, schedule uh, last month and then a little bit this uh, this upcoming month just because of all the travel and uh, Brian moved. I did. Yes, I moved. Uh, so a lot of a lot of very exciting things happening, but unfortunately uh, creates some scheduling conflicts. But we're going to do our best to make sure we're as consistent as possible. Yes. Sorry about that. It's just moving is not fun. Nobody likes I mean, it's it's exciting. Oh, dude, that see that? Yeah, I mean, like getting all this stuff in, into my new home and and uh, you know the possibilities of uh, you know setting up a nice little bar and drinking area in my Wisconsin sized garage is is uh, very appealing. And very, yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. He has space to homebrew again, but he's not going to. <laughs> Man, you know, <laughs> listen, so our, we're opening that location in Spring Valley, right? And mm-hmm. we're getting there. And the the brewer and his wife, uh, Jason Paul and Melissa uh, are their names. And they came up uh, yesterday to check out Hop and Barrel in Wisconsin. He came up from Rochester. Uh, and she, uh, apparently they're Dungeons and Dragons mead making nerds. What? <laughs> yes. I know. Right. Like as if, you know, we didn't do, we did definitely didn't do that on purpose, but you know, we get to talking about D and D and it turns out they're both, uh, uh, you know, fans, but she said that she makes mead and I thought to myself, Hmm. Take all of the ingredients and throw it into a carboy, and then walk away. Yeah, boy, that sounds really. I would. I would really love appealing. to. I would love to make some mead. Uh, there's some really good resources out there. Uh, Gronfeld Meadery mm-hmm. uh, or Gronfeld Meadery in Vermont is probably my favorite uh, mead, um, and their uh, mead maker does a series on YouTube called Ask the Mead Maker. Nice. Uh, and so they he answers like home mead maker questions and stuff like that. It's very cool. That's awesome. I'm potentially going to look into that. I just the idea of uh, trying to drag in and collect all of the equipment. I don't know. Or maybe I get you know. I, I see your Brusilla sitting in the corner there, and I I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, TBD. Yeah. And if the listeners want to uh, put in some input and whether I should do that or not, yeah, go ahead. I, I think I, I think I can speak for all the listeners <laughs> when I say brew, motherfucker, brew. Yeah. Well, the two barrel Sabco system is. Uh, I'm gonna have to brew like probably the first, you know, three or four with Justin and possibly Jason. Uh, okay. So that should be interesting. Should be yeah. And that system is running at like we're writing the recipes to 95 
percent of efficiency. Yeah, that system is insanely uh, efficient, is, it's right? Ninety-five percent efficient. I don't know how. Oh, it's just uh, insane. It's, whatever. it's awesome, though. It's, it's awesome. It's very cool. But anyway, what have you been up to, man? Oh, let's see. Things that I have been up to. Uh, Beer-related. Oh, man. Um, not not a ton. Uh, mm. It's Oktoberfest season. So I've been yeah. sampling Oktoberfest around. Uh, Pitchforks is really good. Oh, um, man. I had. Your I guys' had is really good. Ours is a little bit more it's, firmly bitter than I'd like. It's. Yeah. It's very bitter. Yeah, um, and that's and you know more bitter than I'd like, and I, you know, you you gotta admit it, and and, uh, but it's still immensely drinkable. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, the, the malt bill is is what really, the malt bill, and then the you know we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Uh, that L seventeen organic, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is one of the finest merits and yeasts available. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you've got the classics out there too, but. Um, but yeah, no. What I'm I'm drinking the uh, Sierra Nevada Amber Mertzen, and you're drinking the Founders Oktoberfest. But we'll we'll get into a calibration beer here in a minute. That is not an Oktoberfest. Yes, that is not an Oktoberfest, and unfortunately, it's also not Moose Rule. Mm. Yeah, we sorry, Devin. Yeah, <coughs> well, we have to like broaden our horizon, and we find, gotta yeah, we gotta we gotta dig a little bit more because I was unable to find it at the liquor store. Well, Dick's is I mean pretty decent. They have a. A yep. good selection. No, and it's one of those things where I should have thought of it before five minutes before we started the show because well, I kind of forgot. There's that. But yeah, Dix has a surprising um, import selection, actually. Yeah. Impressive for such a small store. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, shall we do a commercial calibration? Yep. Because I, I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, today, uh, we are going to be talking about beginner brewing. Uh, we're continuing our beginner brewer series, uh, and we're going to be talking about milling grain. Yeah. Because I did a search on my notes, and I realized we haven't actually talked about that no in, way. The, in the context of uh, starting brewing. Okay. So yeah, yeah. We, like, we've, we've talked about uh, milling in, when we were doing our malt book. But okay. we haven't uh, talked about it from the homebrewer standpoint. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of different ways to, to um, do it. So we are going to uh, be calibrating with the uh, Franz O'Connor, Franz O'Connor, right? Franciscana uh, Vice Beer. This should be uh, pretty widely available, I think. Uh, we, we tried to choose a, a couple, and then next week we'll be doing uh, Young's Double Chocolate Stout, which should be available pretty much worldwide. Definitely, and this is the uh, so it's a brown package. It's uh, Nature Trube, uh, premium Hefeweizen beer, uh, imported from Munich. Ooh, all right. Uh, while I'm doing this, you want to go flip on that patented beer light? Yes. Whoa, go right in my eyes. Well, it is patented. It sure is. All right, so right off the bat, you get a big, densely packed, weedy head. Holy moly, that thing, that you is, could float a, could easily, look you at You could this. float a Buick, a Buick on it, like. Floating a bottle cap on it right now. Yeah, well, it's slowly sinking. That's, but not that slowly. Actually, it's still cool. no, yeah, no, it's, it's floating. You're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, no, so it's just, it has that very classic uh, vice beer head, um, Really clear for a wheat beer. It is. It yeah, has. It has some haze, but very slight haze. Yep. Um, but yeah, rock solid head. That's really cool. Um, um, I get a lot of banana. I'm getting banana and clove on the nose and minerality. Clove comes through secondary for me. I get banana and then like a little bit of clove. Um, well, once we start knocking some of this head down off of here, we you know could probably 
<clears throat> gather more aroma, but mm-hmm. it's a little tough when this is, you know, um, patented so. beer light. This is a golden straw color, I think mm-hmm. is what I'd call this. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, this Vice beer is BJCP, uh, I believe it is 10C. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm scrambling here. Uh, uh, yeah, I believe. Oh, well, 10A, 10A, my bad, 10A. yeah. Um, yeah, uh, flavor-wise, first sips, I'm getting um, banana clove, just a really nice mix of both, which is nice. Um, but like that minerality like you were mentioned really mm-hmm. comes through. Yep. Um, we're probably talking about a water water situation. Like it, it's kind of riding the coattails of the clove, mm-hmm. which I wonder almost if that is part of the phenol, that minerality. That's maybe it it's could be. part of a phenol that we don't just don't really have. Yeah, the it, I mean, it definitely could. Uh, it could also just be um, yeast um, accentuating it. Mm-hmm, that too. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a pale, um, pale straw. Mm. Is refreshing. The carbonation's a little bit higher. Yep. Uh, finish is fairly dry for for a wheat. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get a lot of uh, residual sweetness. Definitely dry finish. Yeah. Um, this is five percent ABV. Uh, yep. Uh, body's a um, body finishes a little bit thin. Like it's kind of fluffy. I like it a little bit thicker. I like a little bit fluffier myself. Yeah. yeah like just something, if, just a little bit like. Not, yeah, not chewy, but I want it to be, like, pillowy. Yep, but so that's, that's a bad term. I get what you're saying. But, yeah, plenty of phenols and esters. And what are phenols and esters, again, usually? Phenols are usually clove um, or, or things that are close yep. to that. I mean, when it when it verses into the bad, we're talking about Band-Aids. Uh, phenols are spicy. Mm-hmm. Uh, esters are fruity. Esters are always everything fruit. And that's yeast-derived as well as hop-derived, which we'll talk in a future episode more about that, too. So a uh, little bit of history, or well, maybe we won't do history, but um, characteristic ingredients, 50% of the grist needs to be malted wheat. Uh, some versions use up to 70%. Good luck. The, the remainder is usually Pilsner decoction mash. is very traditional, although modern brewers typically don't wouldn't do that. Sounds like a lot of um, trouble. If Most, you are brewing this, uh, what is one ingredient that you cannot forget besides wheat in, in your mash tun? Rice hulls. Yes. <laughs> it's a good brine. Like, God damn it, this is a trick question. It's not. It's like, just like, no, uh, anytime you are brewing with high amounts of, uh, like, gummy grains, like, mm-hmm. we're talking wheat, rye, oats, anything like that, yeah. rice hulls. Rice hull. Lots and lots of rice hulls. And we'll talk more about why that is later. Yeah. But actually tail, dovetails nicely in with our discussion sure topic. Um, but, yeah, this type of beer, it, the the... Uh, Vites and ale yeast produces the spicy and fruity character. Obviously, we just said that. But although when you run into high fermentation temperatures on a yeast variety like this, it's going to throw the balance off of the banana and clove, and you're going to, at a higher temperature, get more banana. Yep. That's just how she goes. That's one of the few uh, few styles where banana is okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we don't have to say no banana. And this beer is really good, other than the just slight the slight mineraliness. Yeah, it's very good. It's going body. down very nice. Yeah, this I feel lucky to drink this uh, this type of beer as imports are tougher mm-hmm. and tougher for us to get. Right. Well, and we're <clears throat> uh, we're in that time of year, and I I I um I associate certain beers with certain times of year, and I, I'm guessing a lot of other people do too. Oh, you got the dregs. I did. 
Look at that. There's still a lot of there is still yeast a lot on the bottom. There. I should have roused that. Um, but for me, um, Oktoberfest and Hefeweizen and like German style ales and like darker lagers when we're when we're moving into fall like this mm-hmm. is it's perfect time for it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's talk milling. Milling is exciting. Milling is important. But so I guess the first question as as a new brewer, uh, when when you first start, you are getting grain crushed by your homebrew shop Mm -hmm. or um, either your local one or the one you're ordering from online. You're always getting that crush. Pre-ground PG. So you also can, um, you know, there are a lot of breweries that only order pre-ground. Uh, yeah, um, I I can think of two that mm-hmm. we know. Yep, uh, and Pitchfork and uh, the Garage yep. only do pre-ground. First brewery I worked for was all PG. Um, you know, it'll save you some some time, and you can you can get it from your supplier, and they generally know um, what uh, how to gap the mill and get the best possible crush. Um, I was gonna say too. Um, I gotta pull the notes up so I stay like on on track here, but. I was going to say that I like to think of this not really as milling or crushing. I like to think of it more as cracking. Yes. Um, so, you know, when you think about the rollers and how they're rolling, I, I like to think, like, if I'm going to clap my hands together, I like to think that that we would want to, if it was just a big hand size kernel, that's what, would be, what we'd want to do with it. Now, why would we want to only crack it? Well, if I clap my hands together on this kernel... I'm going to I'm going to disturb the the flour that's in the middle of the kernel, okay? It's going to it's going to bend the husk and break it just enough so that that the powder some of it's coming out and some of it's kind of staying in there. And the reason why we want the husk mostly intact or why it's good for it to be intact is because we need a filter bed. And that kind of again will dovetail into why we would need rice hulls. Well, if you get two you know, too many adjuncts that don't have the hull, you know, like you wheat, oat. They don't have the husk. Or what did I say? Hull. Husk. My bad. Um, <clears throat> then we need to add the rice hull. Um, so, you know, sometimes even with uh, certain types of like Pilsner malt or, you know, I've run into some base malts that, you know, like a breeze synergy, I'll call it out, fine, whatever. Uh, definitely needs rice hulls or an enzyme if you're running 100% on it. It's just a stickier, yeah. you know. Or if you, or if your, uh, if, if your grain gets crushed too fine, mm-hmm. you also need them. Because exactly. And you're going to know pretty quick if you get a stuck mash. You're going to know pretty quick and you can always just, you know, don't panic. Take, you know, take the time to, you know, get the rice hulls in there, spin it up. Um, plenty of times brewing professionally have run into stuck mashes and had to, <clears throat> excuse me, completely reset the bed, um, and get that drainage set so we can bore aloft and get all the good, you know, sugar, uh, rinsed out, um, and transferred. All right. So why, why would you want to, um, mill your own versus having somebody else do it for you? And you can be sure that you are gapping the mill correctly and getting the, the, the best crush for your particular brewing system. I mean, not all brewing systems are created equally. We know that certainly. Um, but yeah, we, we can, you know, just another element of control and another piece, 
you know, to be proud of in the craft. Like, hey, I did this part. I didn't need mm-hmm. something else. Which, you know, it's no big deal to have somebody millage. It's a lot easier. Like, I don't know. I got lazy towards the end and was buying pre-ground malt and using dry yeast and was still winning homebrew comps. So, <laughs> Well, so <clears throat> the, the other thing is storage. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't store crushed grain. Well, well I, so you shouldn't because you, you shouldn't. It, has, it has a lot more surface area. Your oxidation, like your grain is going to stale. Yeah. So we're talking here. If, if you, you can seal, like when you, we'll get into the crushing methods in a minute, but after you crush, you know, you can, you can pop them into storage containers uh, with a sealed lid or like a Ziploc bag for long-term storage. Uncrushed grain will store for like a year. Crushed grains are maybe good for one to three months. It just depends on, well, yeah. depends on the grain lot. Depends on a lot of different. Yeah. Things. So as as a home brewer, if you want to buy in bulk, buy uncrushed grain yeah. because the odds of you using it before it goes bad is mm-hmm. much better. Now, if you don't have a mill and you don't have the bucks to acquire one, <clears throat> and you do want to try rolling, you know, uh, uh, milling it at home, you can use a uh, rolling pin. So I wouldn't obviously wouldn't use a food processor or like say a mill that attaches on your KitchenAid something like that because I know that those types of things are available. But the rolling pin should just crack again, crack the grain, flip a towel. We're not trying to make flour. Yep, throw a towel down, put the grain evenly spread out on the towel, put another towel on top of that, and just crack. Um, you know, a, th- a nice thin towel uh, will stop the grain from rolling around while you try to uh, give it a crack. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, what, what are we, so we, we've kind of talked about how we just want to crack it. Um, when, when you take a, when you take like a handful of crushed grain, like how do you like know at a glance that it's a pretty good crush? Um, I think kind of like I said before, when the, the hulls are mostly intact and the flour is loose, but not fine powder, we're not. We're talking about a like big, good, big chunks. Yeah, like you want to see a lot of large chunks, yep. a lot of full. A lot of um, times they'll just be snapped in half, which is great mm-hmm. because then that that it's flour yep, flour is going to dissolve uh, in into the solution um, and and make wort. Uh, okay, and then your you know spent grain is left behind. And then when we talk about efficiency, there's always going to be some some um, of the flour is going to stick to the grain and not be utilized, uh, which is why then. We send, or most breweries send their spent grain to like a farm for um, uh, animal feed, uh, which is a great way uh, uh, to get rid of your spent grain. All right. Um, okay, so you've, you've decided you want to start milling your own. There's a few ways to do it. Um, there's the more DIY way. Um, and then there is the... You buy a like a roll crusher and do it that way. You're looking at, I mean, a pricing difference of not not a ton. Um, I guess like a good roller mill is probably between like a hundred and hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with uh, what they call the Corona mill, which is like oh, I don't know that what I, I saw the notes and I purposely didn't look it up. Yep. So a Corona mill, um, I think I still have mine, um, but it's a it's a corn mill that used for making like masa, right? Oh, okay. um, and what you do is you take it, they're like between like 30 and $40 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And they're like just 
cast steel, like they're just these cast meal, uh, cast mills that work really well. Um, and it's two like grinding plates. Okay. And what you do is you take um, some stainless washers and you increase the mill gap until you get to where you're just cracking the grains okay. as they go through. Cool. Um, and it's easy enough to like attach a drill to it and that kind of stuff. So that that gives you a like. By the time you like mount it in a bucket and all that, you're in like fifty bucks. Okay. So I'm looking here online. I just you know Googled whatever grain mill homebrew. There's all kinds of options here that are great. Okay, and they range in price, like you were saying. There are some you can turn uh, the the crank handle, but you can turn it by hand. Uh, which works. Uh, you can attach. Usually, you can attach a drill to these things. Always attach a drill. Yeah, yeah. always attach a drill. Well, what did we use for the the one at uh, American Sky was a washing machine motor with a belt. That's and, my shoe. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Lando brought a shoe down. That's great. Uh, we attached a washing machine motor and rewired it, and just had a switch and plugged it in. You know, or or we had another time we had zip tied the actual drill to the mill, so and then put the, just put the zip tie over the trigger and just plug it in and it goes. I don't know. Yeah. You could. I uh, so I did after I, after I built my Corona <laughs> mill. I did the first five brews with that okay. by hand. Oh wow! All right, um, and that's just a five gallon batch worth of grain. So we're maybe talking at max like twenty pounds. Yeah. And it took forever, and it sucked. <laughs> I mean, that's and that's what I'm saying here is that my point is, I'm looking at Monster Brewing Hardware two roller, and yep. and this is literally it's just the rollers. I I and have you a, do do with it what you will. Make your own uh, hopper. Um, you know <clears throat> that, like I always say, part of my favorite thing about home brewing is kind of making your own stuff. So if you're yep. you're into that, then this is. Uh, I I graduated to um ah oh, it's a northern brewer. Let me pull it up quick. I think it's a Monster Mill or something like that. Yeah, um, Monster Brewing is. Uh, oh, it's a barley crusher. Okay, barley crusher. It's one hundred and fifty dollars. It's a, you know, it's two rollers, um, and it has a decent size hopper on it. Uh, it's a, mine has a seven pound hopper, which is fine. Um, adjustable, like fits perfectly over a five gallon bucket. It's great. I love it. Um, and it like the, and it, the shaft, the drill just clamps onto. Okay. One roller spins, the other one doesn't. Yeah, that's pretty common. Um, yep. and then, and there are three, three roller setups as well, uh, which work a little differently. Um, and then it, there's kind of a gapping hack. Um, you know, you take your credit card, and that's roughly about where you'd want your gapping to be. I think is it's like between like uh, what what is the ideal? Isn't like point oh three five or something? Yeah, something like that. I'd have to look it up. Um, uh, all right. So besides a mill, um, uh, around uh, one millimeter. Okay. Is what is what you want to start with, um, which is something in inches. But we're going to go millimeters on this one because it's easy. That works. So start with a millimeter, and if that and if your mill is over crushing, expand the gap. If it's not crushing enough, shrink the gap. Um, also, some of these mills, like if they're if 
they're, they're not always perfect. So you might need to fiddle with it a little bit in order to like your your um, your roller could be uneven. You could have some like you could have some wobble in your process, like with the drill, like your gap should so just just keep an eye on it. Um, what I like to do is when I'm testing a mill, take a couple like cups or handfuls of grain, toss them in the mill, run it through um, and see what your crush looks like. Yeah. Then adjust and do that. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, just like everything else, give it give it a test before you you jump into you know like well, you get new brewing equipment, run a water brew, you know, like just just see how everything flows before you start blowing you know five gallons or nineteen liters worth of ingredient down the you know the drain. Yeah, yeah, so. I've totally done water brews on my system. <laughs> oh, and have you? No, that's a lie. Bro. <laughs> that's a lie. All right. Um, the other thing you need uh, is a which which you should probably already have, but you need a good scale, mm-hmm. one that does. Uh, well, you're gonna need gra- grams and, and that for hops anyway. Yep. Yeah, but you you also need one like. So I mean, I have a small scale for measuring hops and for measuring um, water additions and stuff like that. But and then I have a big scale that's for grain because you're. Like you're you're measuring larger amounts, yeah. so make sure you have a scale that can handle your entire uh, weight. Because mm-hmm. a lot of them will max out at like ten or fifteen pounds, and if you need more than that, like it's just yeah. no. We have these ingredient scales at the brewery that what do they max out at sixty five pounds? Because they're specific for hops. What what's your thought on hanging scales? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I personally don't like hanging scales. For I don't know weigh, why. Like, weighing fish? <laughs> well, no, no, for, um, for weighing, for weighing grains. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I guess I have no thoughts. I have not used one for that purpose. Um, okay. I don't know. I kind of would just stick with the flat, uh, the one, you know, you yep. can set a bucket. So on there, it. there, there is a nice thing about the hanging scale is you can hang a bucket from it and mm-hmm. then add your grains to it. Yeah, that's true. You can hang it from the, the ceiling of your garage or, yep. you know, where, wherever. And just, you know, maybe you could, you could kind of have it on a chain and pull it out of the way and hook it to the side of the garage or something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, um, and then buckets, so many five gallon buckets, all of the five gallon buckets, honestly, use your old brew buckets that you're supposed to replace every year. Anyway, make sure you label them uh, too. I guess at, at hop and barrel, we have, you know, green buckets are for hops, red buckets are for caustic chemical, whiter for, uh, um, the, uh, sani for fermentation blow off. Uh, and then there's a few odd yellow ones and I'm not sure what they do with those. I think they're just what they could find. Um, sometimes there's parts in them, but yeah, I don't know. Initially, I had color coded the bucket. So if you want to get into that kind of thing, would you like to hear a funny bucket uh, anecdote? I always want to hear funny bucket so, anecdotes. So uh, this spring, we were doing some landscaping out back, and my family was helping me. And my mom needed, like, she wanted to bring water from one side of the, or from like one area to another. And so she was, I was, she was like, "Do you have a bucket?" And I'm like, "Yeah, just all those brewing buckets there, like." Use them. They're they're old. Like grab one. Mm-hmm. Well, she grabbed a bottling bucket mm. without the spigot in it, and Ooh. she put the hose in and walked she's away. Yeah. And she came back and she's like, "This like why is the bucket Bucket's why is defective. the bucket leaking? Like why is there a hole in this bucket? <laughs> <laughs> why did you buy a bucket with a hole in it? <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Ah, that's a fun story. Mm, I like it. All right. Um, any final things on milling no. before we wrap up? No, I think we covered it all. I think so. If you guys have any questions related to milling, uh, please let us know or any other questions that you have, uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerdstudios.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnerdstudios. Follow us on Twitter at Ninja or on Instagram at blindnerdstudios. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.